Sidekicks and hench folk out there in the Geek Nation, you're currently tuning into the Cult Pop Podcast live stream, aka spoiler alert. Spoiler episode alert. 700, yeah. 745, where we review the past week's comics as well as talk about some fun pop culture topics for your listening and viewing pleasure. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo, owner of Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, located at 4327 Main Street, Philadelphia, PA. A rad-ass shop for nerds of all shapes and sizes. Except jerks. No jerks allowed. I don't care what shape or size you are. If you're a jerk, no. This is the part where I write anything in the script and JD reads it. Have you ever danced with the deviled eggs in the cold-cut deli? I just like to ask that of all my prey. With me this morning are some of my favorite people. First up, Brian Lieb. Brian. Hi. Yes. If you if you have a cold hot pocket, uh-huh. is it just a pocket? I'd still want to call it a cold pocket, right? Okay. Just so people don't get confused and think, you know, oh, he's got a hot pocket, and he, and he thinks I already know it's hot. Yeah. I'd say. And then oh, no, if no. I use the word pocket in any other context, I say something like pants pocket, because uh, <laughs> hot pockets are my primary pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we welcome back Arbiter of Good Taste and a man gracious enough to loan Noel a copy of Astro City, Ooh. Len the Bat Tribble. Hello. Len, this question was asked of Brian last week, but it's time we put you on the spot. If you were a Transformer, what would you transform into? <laughs> Me along. What? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, I would. <laughs> Gracious. <laughs> I took that someplace it wasn't supposed to go, but Goodness. I would gladly go at any time, any place. So the answer is vibrator. <laughs> did anyone respond did anyone answer robot <laughs> robot yes this would be my transformed form yeah i would tran- transform into a robot version it's of a good it's a good answer uh, Noel is not here today and we are all better for it anyway thank you for everyone <laughs> joining us live on facebook youtube and twitch if you like what we're doing here and i can't imagine that you do be sure to like comment subscribe and share baby the joy of doing this live is you all in the chat so pipe up if you feel so inclined and we may comment live during the show uh we're gonna let's we're, let's, let's let's get this started um with Aliens Aftermath, number one Ooh. from Marvel Comics, written by Benjamin Percy, with art by Dave Wachter. It's been 35 years since the tragedy of the Hadley's Hope colony, but what happened to that ill-fated venture has been shrouded in mystery. A renegade crew of investigative journalists are heading towards the moon that Weyland yutani has wiped from all records, and they'll bring back the truth even if it kills them. And what remains in that bombed-out site 
will try to do just that. Benjamin Percy and David Wachter imagine a terrifying possible future for LV-426 in this celebration of the 35th anniversary of one of the most influential science fiction films of all time. I am a big alien fan. Um, well, you know what? I am... I'm a moderate alien fan. Um, <laughs> I imagine a big alien fan would be able to remember LV426, right? I, I don't remember shit like that. I barely remember that the place was called Hadley's Hope, and I had to go like, oh, right, Hadley's Hope, that was aliens. You know what I mean? So like, well, How much I've do you like all it, the, I, Oh, I enjoy them quite a bit. Oh, you're a big alien fan. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, oh, Robert Monroe is in the chat saying, good morning, fellers. Um, so, Len... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to assume, because you told me directly, you didn't read this. Oh no, I did read this. Oh, you did? I did read this. This I is not the best one on it. There is a book oh. that I didn't read. But this is not it. This is not. It. Oh, then what did you think of the, the Hadley's Hope Redux? Um, okay, on I'm going to review all of the books that we we review today under like okay. like two lengths. <laughs> nice. I know, I know. That's my job, right? So, I'm going to review them under two lenses. One from a process point of view, and then one from a cultural or or just personal perspective, right? So from a process point of view, just as a comic book, as a put-together comic book, Alien Aftermath number one is a good comic book. It's good art. I have a I got I enjoy the art by Dave Hoctor as it were and the the script by benjamin percy is kind of lively i feel like these people are speaking with a genuine tone they feel like they are speaking with their own individual personalities the the coloring is is very moody as you would expect in a alien film i feel like i and it does feel like it's part of the alien universe because aliens despite its sci-fi nature a lot of it has like a um you know, almost like a very militaristic type of type of tone, very dark and moody. And that is definitely all a part of what's here. And there's always like this undercurrent of some like conspiracy that's going on in almost every one of the alien films. And that is true in this comic book. So in that regards, this comic book is well done. Where it loses me culturally is that one, it hinges on, like JD said, you remembering, you know, certain aspects of the alien uh, universe, as it were, to kind of like uh, switch on the member berries in your head to activate them, right? And where Alien loses out on something like Star Wars, which was legitimately a cultural phenomenon that almost the entire world got swept up in and and by way of having its own universe of novels that kind of like stem the tide in between the films and then the films resurrecting and then becoming big things and then it becoming part of the streaming uh, zeitgeist via disney the star wars universe everybody is kind of like inundated enough that everybody's member berries they never got turned off they're always activating always looking for the force bouncing around something like star trek has been rebooted had many multiple spin-offs along with the movies so that has never truly been deactivated right Plus, both star wars and star trek individually have their own 
immense fan bases that are so large that they each have their own individual convention circuits yeah. <laughs> like special yeah. reunions so like they are deep embedded in like the dna of who you are if you are just not even just a casual geek if you are just a human being right aliens as good as it was as good as it is will never despite what they try reach that level and to keep trying to pull at these different various strings in in the history of of alien to create these tan these tangents that are now coming out in these comics i think is a lose it's 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 like just a losing losing job it's like i don't think they're going to make it now they're pulling at the strings that you remember the one person from the film who was a hispanic woman who was very right hispanic quote quote <laughs> yo we ain't even gonna get into the problems about about how that really went down you know yo. i wanted to we could go there um but they're asking us to to rep for that character's heritage moving on like we're supposed to care about i i don't even think it's is this her grandson or i think it's like uh, a Mitia is my aunt so it's it's uh right um vasquez's um nephew right so it's not even like direct descendant it's like the aunt knife removed you know what i mean like like we really are supposed to care that much I, nobody was looking for the continuation of her story <laughs> one because of the problematic nature of the origin of the character um and just real quick you know well i'll let jd fill you in on on that because he, he knows it deep um it, but two while she was cool in the movie, if you really watch the movie again, she don't do much. She <laughs> really don't. She carries around a big gun and then she get got. So it's like we're really supposed to care about that. So and, and that, yes, they do a good comic, but it's a comic book about a universe and pulling at strings from the past of it that I ultimately do not care. And I really think the majority of the reading public in comics today is not going to care. Well, um, uh, I can see what you're saying. Um, this isn't for everyone. This is for fans of Alien and Aliens. Um, the So the the happenings in question with uh, Lieutenant Vasquez, she was, and I didn't realize this until like last year, but she's played by Jeanette Elise Goldstein, um, <laughs> who, if you remember in T2, the redheaded mother of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the 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 foster mother of John Connor, who's got red hair and, you know, oh, what happened to Wolfie? You know, that whole thing with the schlick right, right. and through the through the milk carton into the face. What a great scene. Anyway, the white, the same white woman. actress, the white woman, <laughs> they brown faced up to play Vasquez. Um, so while I was reading this and I'm reading about um uh, Vasquez's nephew, I'm like, has played by Tom Cruise. Has <laughs> <laughs> played by Scarlett Johansson, I think. Um, so, you know, it's, I thought that was pretty funny, too. I was like, oh, man, of all the characters to reference, they're going to reference, like, that one. The white lady in brown face? All right, that's exactly. fine, I guess. Um, now, the interesting thing about this, though, is <clears throat> what happens, right? Because at the end, I guess a nuke goes off. I'm trying to remember the end of Aliens. I get, there's a nuke. 
Um, and so we're, they go they go back to this planet, and um, there's sort of a nuclear winter happening, which is pretty cool, which you've never really seen in Alien before. And we see what that does to the xenomorph, which is kind of cool and a little. I'm a little confused. Is it invisible or does it glow? Right. Right. Um, it was like I, a ghost. I thought it was like a ghost right. thing. Yeah. Like I can't tell by the way they illustrate it, but I, I guess it's not invisible because she looks up and she sees it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess they're a little little easier to to see now because they're glowing in the dark, um, oh. which I thought was kind of cool. And not only that, their blood is no longer acid. So usually when you hit a xenomorph, uh, the problem is if you hit it with a you know with um, a grenade or with bullets, their their blood will spray on you, and that itself will kill you because it's acid. Oh. Here it's um, uh, what do you call that? Uh, it freezes you. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It's like uh, like liquid nitrogen. Yeah. Liquid nitrogen. So yeah, it, it like hits this woman in the arm, and her arm just breaks off, kachunk. Mm. So I mean, there's some cool cool stuff in this Aliens book. If you like Aliens and you're curious about what happens after Aliens, the sequel, you know, um, this is actually pretty dope. I actually quite enjoyed this. Now the problem I'm having with this. Um, you know, these Marvel comics is in the in the alien comic that Marvel is currently putting out. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the same plot. We've got um, yeah. <laughs> people who are going after Waylon Utani and they are, you know, resistance fighters sort of things, you know. Um, and uh, here we've got the same thing, except, oh, wait, they're tele- they're they're putting out podcasts. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's Vice TV basically yeah. going after Waylon Utani. Really spoke XM, to me like right after human racing this time on the planet. Something XM. They go on after Howard Stern, I guess, and they they record um, uh, what they're doing with Waylon Utani, which is funny because of course then Waylon Utani finds out what they're doing because they fucking broadcast it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I would so, figure they do it like later, right? Like they do their yeah. they do their after big the hit fact, and, yeah. and they right. It's not live. <laughs> um, but uh, my my question is. Is there a sequel to like the? Is this a one shot? Because it says it's not game over yet. Check out Alien Number Five. Mm. So it it just puts you back to the other Aliens series from Marvel, not Aliens Aftermath Number Two. Well, maybe that's maybe the similarity that you noticed has something to do with that. Like maybe, maybe those, these up. two stories are are intertwined. Ah, there you. That's an yeah. excellent point. Because not many of these people make it. Right. Like right. There's not a lot of characters by the end of issue one that are that are still around. That's true. Um, so maybe they'll have something to do with whatever else is going on. Yeah, there's only so much you can do with this property, which is, hey, there's a group of people. They wind up in a place yeah. and oh, they're all dead. Yeah. Yeah. So what did uh, you think, Brian? Uh, so I've never seen any of the Alien movies. Oh, perfect jumping on point. That's what I thought. As I was reading it, I was like, whoa. What an engrossing world that I have stumbled <laughs> into. Um, but, I, you know, I'm reading it and I was like, I wonder if this Hadley's Hope is uh, is from one of the movies. And then I kind of remembered that Vasquez was a character I've heard about her. You know, mm-hmm. um, I hadn't heard all about her, but I heard uh, I heard about her. Um, so, yeah, I guess. And there was another thing I was like, oh, can aliens usually I don't think they can go ghostly like this. What's the what's the story here? Right. So I agree with Len that 
it is a well put together comic. I found myself thinking like, oh, they're not really introducing you at all to it. However, no. this is a sequel comic to a sequel movie. I don't know that it's on them to introduce you to this world. Like, let's get yeah. let's get rolling, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a it was a pretty well done comic, but I felt a little like, I don't know what's going on or what the impact of this stuff is. Um, and then at some point I figured out for sure that he was the nephew of that woman, but mm. I, whatever. Um, this is cool. I didn't realize that Yutani was a person. I'd like still mm. like this was oh, yeah. a, a machinator, you know? Well, the, the other thing about this and JD kind of pointed this out and Brian, if you watch the three alien movies, mm-hmm. well, there's more than three, but right. for a lot of people, there's really only three. Hardcore, <laughs> like there really is really three alien movies. But if you watch them, they, t- they kind of like, they're, they're, almost all three the same story oh yeah it's just the genre in which they are they're written in even though it's still the same universe one is definitely more horror based one is leans more on the science fiction and the last one is like almost more like a thriller type of thing you know what i mean so so and that is really what separates the films because it distilled them and i have found pretty much most of the alien like anything alien that I that I've read or seen after that they pretty much all distilled down to the same story so it was like how many times can you just keep doing the exact same story like there's one thing to be said and I've said this a a lot of times about you know how many times we want to keep bringing the Joker back and he's keep going to go doing the same thing same thing same thing and it does get annoying but they at least try to wrap some type of different colored bow around it with this it almost is exactly the same story and it yeah. it's it like where are you going to go with this like well i think that's the difference too between you're like they're trying to build it out and make it like a franchise kind of thing but from what i know you know outside that you're now confirming like there's just that one thing the aliens, there's not a lot of depth of story. Like, the aliens don't have any development. They're just mm-hmm. a scary thing. And I hear they tried to do it in Prometheus, but it was, like, yeah. not technically connected. It was only, I don't know what the deal with that was. But, it was um, a prequel. But it was, like, officially a prequel. There was, yes. It wasn't like, oh, okay. Oh, yes. Oh, okay, great. Yes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there's, you know, Star Wars has mythology and Star Trek has philosophy, and this is just, like, a scary monster. Yeah. Uh, from what I can understand. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got it. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I actually have a soft spot in my, uh, in my brain for um, alien four as well. Resurrection. Mm. Oh, really? That's, okay. That's the one where Sigourney Weaver is like not real. And she's part, she's like a hybrid of Sigourney mm-hmm. Weaver clone and w- the alien queen. Oh, mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. And it's got Winona Ryder in it. And oh. yeah. See, it's that's the other fun. thing, right? You can always add <laughs> Somebody can always come along and be like, oh, here's this whole interesting thing. And then there is mythology. Uh, also, Len, I happened, I was looking up that woman, um, Jeanette Goldstein. She was the voice of the Enterprise computer in two of the short treks from the recent yeah. Star Trek stuff. Yeah, I, I nice. didn't read that. Yeah. Hmm. Oh. 
Interesting. Uh, oh, in the comments, our lunar says, "Morning, fellas. Alien was first was the first R-rated movie I saw on Select TV." Wait, or, hey, how old were you, our lunar, at the time? Yeah, Could was you have that been watching like, an R-rated was that last movie? week? <laughs> um. All right, let's move on to the next book. I'll tell you what it is. It's Infinite Frontier number two from DC Comics, written by Joshua Williamson with art. Well, written by Joshua Williamson and a bunch of other writers and <laughs> art by Paul Pelletier and a bunch of other artists. Hmm. What secrets and changes lurk inside the newly expanded multiverse? The devious Dr. Bones of the DEO reforms a ragtag team to keep the new worlds at bay. But was highly skilled Agent Cameron Chase recruited because the director needed her help or because he wants a patsy when things go south? Mm. I, mean, I feel like the answer is kind of in the question. Right. Meanwhile, Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern, takes drastic measures uh, to find his missing daughter. Someone has kidnapped Jade, and Alan's going to find out why and bring her home. Plus, the resurrection of Roy Harper gives the former Teen Titan some unexpected and unpredictable new powers. This, uh, as I was starting to read it, I was of the mind that Man, DC needs to chill their asses on some multi, like big events. Um, and I realize this isn't a big event. It is the um, the aftermath of a big event. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't. Can we just get some stories that aren't about big events, please? But then uh, I kept reading it, and I was like, Nah, this is great. This is yeah, a lot of fun. Nice. I'm actually having a lot of fun with this. Um, so my my sour uh, my sour taste was uh, was washed away i actually quite enjoyed this issue um uh, and the, the surprise ending i was like oh shit uh, mm. i don't want to i don't know i guess we could spoil it if you want what did you guys think of it len well before i i, I say anything i want to ask a question you said as you were reading it along the way you found yourself like oh my god this was big fun what about it turned it from being like oh my god what are we doing to hey i'm digging this like when did um, this, this it switch for you well okay the, uh, the first problem i'll start with my problem was in the beginning of the issue um we are introduced uh to you know um chase goes into the justice league the hall of justice and um it says earth zero and i was like wait a minute which one's earth zero that's that's like the regular dc earth right and then she calls <clears throat> superman super clark so then i was like wait a minute is earth zero not our Earth, the regular DC Earth, like his name appears to be Super Clark. It's not like she calls him Superman and then calls him Clark. Super Clark is actually in the Superman font. So I, on this Earth, is he actually called Super Clark? And then as I was reading through, I was like, no, this is just our Earth. Oh, right. Clark. Everyone knows that he's Clark. Right, now, right, and right. she's just being cute. Right. It's not that it's another. So that's where I was a little frustrated. Like, I don't even know what Earth we're on because of <laughs> just the way things were presented. And that was a little frustrating. Um, and I was like, but all the things they're talking about seem to be about Earth Zero. Um, but then um, I liked the return of Batman's dad mm -hmm. um, and sort of his turn and how they sort of reference the Tom King run and everything that he all his machinations in there and how he was kind of like, ooh. Ooh, maybe I was kind of a dick. Maybe I was wrong. And maybe it's good right. if Bruce thinks I'm dead. And so that was kind of interesting. I like the return of Magog. And um, I don't really care about these guys. Um, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what they're doing, what their point is. 
And, you know, are they called the totality? Because the totality in Scott Snyder's run of Justice League was the was the big thing that kicked all of this off. Is this a new totality? We're calling the team the totality? Uh, that was confusing. Uh, but then I did like what was going on with Roy Harper as the Black Lantern. Uh, and then things go sour immediately for him. <laughs> Like just yeah, right off the bat, he can't and then the buy thing, a break. He can't get a yeah. break, right? Um, and then the the thing with Captain Adam at the end, I was like, oh shit, okay, this was fun. Uh, I did not expect a lot of this. Um, while some of it was confusing for me, I can't tell if it was confusing for me because I was not paying enough attention, or because it's confusing. What was it confusing for you guys at all? It wasn't. It, it well, it wasn't confusing because I'm just used to the machinations of comic books. So yeah. where I, well. if I didn't really understand something, I was like, ah, if I keep reading, it'll start yeah. filling some blanks for me or whatever. Like, because I'm still a little bit unclear of what happened to Roy Harper. I know something happened while he was at the sanctuary, and now he's kind of back. And if you read another comic book, you know, maybe he's back, maybe he's not. I don't know what the hell's going on. But um, I'm like, okay. And, you know, the lanterns, I never got into all the colored lanterns. So oh. I was like, that's cool. The, the United Benetana lanterns, that's nice. He's got a black <laughs> one. That's a reference. So I'll, I'll, feel, I'll, I'll keep it going. So, like, so there was parts of it where I was like, I don't know what's going on. First of all, it had Cameron Chase in there. Mm. Longtime fan of Cameron Chase. So I was yep. like, all right, you're sucking me in. I'm going to read the book because it's Cameron Chase. So I'm here, right? Like, um, and the artwork in the book is very, very good. So that kept me flowing along with it as well. Plus, I there's a part of me that liked that this aftermath of whatever happened in the, the big uh, event taking place in one comic book mm. okay i'll ride with you on that and i'm sure this will start branching out into other one other books slowly but if the main meat of it is happening here then i'll rock with this i'm cool uh so while i can't say that i had fun reading the comic book i did think that it was kind of it was still an interesting comic book and yeah. it it again like activated some member berries with the whole speedy thing, which has made me feel sad. Cause I was like, man, this man can't get a break. God, this, this can, like yeah. Roy is just made to just get arrows plunked into his chest no matter what. Like ooh, Roy smiled. The Parker luck. This Harper <laughs> luck is worse. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. So I, I'm with that. Cap the, the, the thing with Captain Adam at the end, as cool as it as it is. It almost reminded me of like every time I see Captain Adam show up in a comic book. Because <laughs> the exact same thing happens. He blows up. <laughs> he does blow up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, here he comes. All right. Everyone put on your, your suits. Well, Everyone put on your nuke suits. Why do you think they don't hang out with him that often? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was a shame because he too, he's having a speech. Like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with yeah, that. Yeah. You know? And then next thing you know, He's like, no, you're not, because dark side is. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, whatever. So it was, it was cool. Yeah, I mean, what do you think about Chase? You think Chase got out of that? Oh, Chase is getting out. No, yes, 
come on, Chase got. Sometimes he goes to other realities when he blows up. You know, they could be over there. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, Ch- and Chase got. Like, she probably got Brainiac fives in, in uh force field belt. Like, right. Gotcha. Like, right. Made it to the a Nick Fury stuff. Yeah. Where it was a projection. Yeah. She wasn't actually there. Yeah. yeah. Chase is yeah. fine. Um, I think I'm not sure. <clears throat> I'm just gonna. I love this panel, and I'll, I'll give you one reason why. You were talking about the art earlier, mm-hmm. and let me see if I can look at Hal's hand there. Look at that Hal. Whose Hal is that? As an uh, artist, which what artist is Hal? Is that? See now, to me, a lot of his art reminded me a little bit of Alan Davis. There you go. Look at that hand. Look at that hand. That is an Alan Davis hand. Yeah, yeah. Ah, Alan Davis and Mark Farmer. Well, well, to be honest, I noticed that Alan Davis. I also know noticed that his his Batman is a David uh, uh, Masticelli Batman. So Mm. he thinks I noted a, a, a couple of swipes in here. But you know, it's not. Yeah, I wasn't gonna point it out as well there's different it's different artists it's not just paul palettier or paul palettier however you say his name i thought it was different different. oh is that it no that's not paul look at that that's not paul yeah because that's that's beautiful um yeah you may be right you may be right yeah i uh i agree about the art the the like when superman shows up in in the second page i'm like whoa just as i want to see him you know like he's which is nice too because that's been a little on and off um and the batman is very cool uh yeah i i really dig all that stuff the art it's just like very solid comic art Mm -hmm. and i like that and it feels appropriate for this story i had kind of a similar feeling not about this book jd but about the just events in general and you know the dc like the one big event after another constantly reframing what they're doing and for a couple of reasons this has felt different like from the start you know once they did the infinite frontier number zero back then it feels like a totally different kind of thing like less of a let's go in a whole new direction and more of like let's let's go back to Mm -hmm. let's stop doing all the whole new directions uh kind of thing and and this series too is like it is the kind of thing that could be a summer's big event, but it isn't that it's just its own story. And I really like that. And I like the idea of the, let's see what happens after some big event. Um, well, I was trying to remember what the, what's the goal of this series. I was like, Oh, right. There is a, a different earth with no vibration. And yeah. there is a ship that somehow has, has blown apart and fragments of it are sort of scattered throughout the different multiple. Oh, right. Um, I forgot about that part. Earths. So what they were collecting. Um, right. I was trying yeah, to like, yeah. why, what is, what are we accomplishing here with this series right, right. other than like these cool moments? Um, yeah. And I think it's the discovery of this new earth that we've never seen yet. Yeah. And I think the overriding principle for, so, oh, so you had said, you don't remember what's happening with Alan Scott and like why he's there with Vandal Savage and they call themselves yes. the totality, which they have mentioned before. Um, I think that was in the Infinite Frontier uh, number zero, but they, so their goal is to stop any more crises, any more multiversal right. events, which is also the goal of the Superman, President Superman's group. Mm-hmm but they operate on a more multiversal level and the, the totality is just, I guess, working it from this universe's end 
Uh, and then Barry Allen is kind of a liaison between the two of them and is maybe sort of on both teams. Um, I like the, I really like the Alan Scott. So, I mean, I just love Alan Scott being back. And then I always thought Obsidian and Jade were cool. So I like that they are interacting together and we'll see what happens with that. The Roy Harper stuff is great. The, I love when they do those connections, right? Like he's got a black lantern ring and, well, he's known Hal Jordan since he was a teenager, and so he can draw on that memory. Um, and even artistically, having that Green Lantern symbol right in the center is... You know, this this comic feels pretty steeped in DC history in general. Oh, yes. And this is not I movies. love it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, yeah, yeah, definitely steeped in DC history as far as that goes, but also maybe a bit in just presentation. Mm-hmm. which mm. is something I hadn't thought of before, but you know, maybe the Alan Davis swipe when he's remembering something from an earlier era is not accidental. Yeah. You know, maybe that's purposefully done to evoke, to mm. evoke that art style. And uh, Len, you are not alone. You, everyone, including Roy Harper does not know what the deal with Roy Harper is right now. He's, <laughs> like he's back and he's like, what's happening? <laughs> I don't I don't know what's what. So that's not that's not something that you've got to worry about. Um, and yeah, the Captain Adam thing. I think it's a cool idea. He's a Captain Adam from another universe. I always had a soft spot for Captain Adam. He looks I cool. I like his design. Yeah, he looks cool. His powers are yeah. cool. He's got yeah, yeah but, he's got cool stuff. The way they draw him here is very Bart Sears with like all of the the muscle. The way mm. they draw the muscles and stuff, it just felt very Bart Sears. If anyone knows mm. who that is anymore, but yeah, uh, yeah. But, um, Bart Sears would draw muscles on. The muscles would have steroids, like <laughs> not yeah, yeah. as Bart Sears. <laughs> the baby uh, has uh, grabbed my laptop and is moving oh, it. There we go. There it is. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we, and I don't think we've seen Captain Adam looking like this in a while either. He's had that like Kingdom Come design, the gold with. Right. The giant Adam on it for a little while. And then when he was in the new 52, he was very different, right? He was like a Dr. Manhattan ish type of uh, mm. Captain Adam, ironically enough. Yeah. And yeah. So my Captain Adam, I think, was drawn by Pat Broderick, is the, the first time I ever encountered Captain mm. Adam. So I always have that Pat Broderick style in my head. When Which I'm one is that? Is that the series where he's. Oh, it's this one. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah. Look, it's this look. Yeah. Yeah. It's this look, yeah. A lot more hair. No, no, I was just like, yeah, the more hair. And I have in yeah. uh, this image in my mind of that Captain Adam number one cover where you remember he's like in the center of it and there's this egg kind of contraption and mm. he's yes. like turning into Captain Adam. I don't know if that was maybe yeah, the, that's the... That's the one I think, yeah. It's a good one, yeah. I think it's funny that um, Chase, you know, there's this guy who's made of um, <laughs> radiation. Right. He's like... Uh, I've got a gun pointed at your head. Yeah. You Sorry, Jenny, it's, gun? it's alien a alien metal. It's a, it's a bullet. <laughs> you go to war with what you got. That's what she. I got. know, I know. Although she was going to see Captain Adam, right? So maybe it's right. uh, a special kind of <laughs> right. bullet, right? Right, right. Hopefully, she's a little bit more um, prepared. Yeah, I wonder if we'll um, get this more. Right, like people from other Earths are here. Yep. And, yeah. you know, just trying to live their lives kind of thing. Yeah, hmm. some sort of a, um, you know, um, gosh, I can never think of the word. Uh, people who are trying to escape a place to come to a new place are Like a refugees. witness protection? Oh, refugees. <laughs> I was thinking right, like multiversal me. refugees who are like trying to leave other multiverses to come to this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, to be honest, we have had this as far back as in the 70s because the Black Canary of the Justice League was technically the daughter of the Black Canary from Earth 2. Yeah. Over to uh, Earth 1 to live her life uh, away, you know, away from her mother, even though she was doing what her mother did. So we've had it for a long time. Yeah. And in JLA Avengers, one of my favorite parts was that, like, reference that clearly Hawkeye mm-hmm. came over and lived. Yeah. But the idea that they, like, knew each other and were friends and would go back and forth. Um, uh, the next on the list is Ninjak. But let's jump since we're on this tip. The Flash Ooh. Annual yes. 2021, number one, DC Comics, written by, oh my goodness, written by Jeremy Adams. Oh, he's the right Passer. He's the best. The lightning fast and action-packed surge storyline races to its conclusion as Wally West returns to the present day with a new perspective on the past and a reinvigorated desire to take back the mantle of the Flash. Finally, with one last hurdle to leap, Wally puts the past behind him, but he'll need to propel himself further and faster than ever before to do it. So, they are finally doing the thing that I have been waiting for them to do, which is... Do some work on Heroes in Crisis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Heroes in Crisis was a Tom King series. And um, it, oh gosh, give me a second. Oh, honey, I know. I'm just trying to bring up the Flash so that we can show viewers. (laughs) I want them to see it. I'm going to bring it up and then I'll put the bottle back in your face. Oh, my Lord. Okay, here we go. Heroes in Crisis. Ah, yes. Heroes in Crisis um, was. A misstep, as far as I'm concerned, as a mm-hmm. Flash um, fan, as a Wally West fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing that happened there felt weird. Uh, the The way they wrap it up felt weird for someone who's able to travel through time. And the way he solves it, quote unquote, uh, is weird and felt very un-Wally West to me. And... They, there have been a couple of attempts to make it make sense to Wally West fans. Uh, one of those things was, oh, the Batman who laughs was whispering in his ear the whole time, and he didn't really know it, and that's why he did what he did. And um, here we visit Heroes in Crisis yet again. It is a moment stuck in time. Uh, what happened was Heroes in Crisis was a really interesting idea for a story wherein Tom King wanted to explore the different... Um, you know, PTSD and anxieties that superheroes would face dealing with what they deal with on a, on a daily basis. Uh, Wally West was um, a, a family man. He had a wife, Linda Park, and two children who I hated, and uh, he was erased from history. And then when he winds his way back, his wife doesn't remember him, his children still don't exist, etc., etc. And so he goes to Sanctuary, which is a place specifically set up for people who need some therapy and they're superheroes. They've got secret identities. I'm sorry. Yeah. Superheroes and some, I don't know, anti-heroes kind of like, you know, (laughs) Poison Ivy, uh, um, Harley Quinn, etc. And there's a murder mystery that happens. Spoiler alert. It's discovered that, oh, the Flash was behind it. He lost control of his powers. He murdered everybody with lightning and then ran through time in order to murder himself in order to fool Batman in order to fix it later. But then he doesn't fix it. He just murders himself. Anyway, fuck this. It was awful. (laughs) Um, And now 
we are sort of discovering, oh, it wasn't Wally. That's not Wally's fault. It's this surge that was happening throughout the Speed Force, and that surge is what kills everybody at um, Sanctuary. Sanctuary, right. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess that's fine. Uh, Wally is now relieved of his guilt. He no longer is responsible for having murdered all those people and then fucking covered it up. Although that doesn't change it. That doesn't change my problem with the story now oh. that I'm saying it out loud. The problem isn't that Flash lost control of his powers and killed everybody. It's that he covered it up uh, in order to try and fix it. But what he does is he kills himself in order to, oh fuck, I'm trying to remember how he fixes it. He kills future him and yeah. fuck me. I, I can't even remember how bad it was. Um, yeah. Brian, uh, there was another addendum to that, JD, that I didn't know, but I just read okay. an article about it. So reverse flash somehow manipulated him into doing those things. Oh, so that's, that's that what it was. Has, it wasn't the Batman who laughs. It was Eobard Thawne. Right. Right. And then they created like a clone body that was the body that was there. But there's a two there are two prongs to these, right? That's done. It's in the books. The real thing that happens now is nobody ever talks about it again. And then eventually it just never happened, <laughs> you know, because that's how these fictional characters Comics work. work. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, uh, so uh, but it, it was fun to revisit and watch them try and undo uh, mm-hmm. what they had done to Wally West. What did you think of it? Oh, I loved it. Right. I have been all about this series. I have been all about uh, the just like flash, the deep flashness of, the, of it all. The flash you know? of it all. Yeah. Yeah. The flash of it all has been has been really evident. And I like that a lot. Like he's. The, the whole idea of the, of the story arc where he is traveling back and is inhabiting these different characters lets us see cool things from The Flash. They talk about cool things from The Flash, um, and he is behaving like I expect him to behave, which is yes. cool, too, right? Um, as you know, I am a really big Barry Allen fan, but the stories have not really grabbed me in the way that I would like. And I'm glad to see Wally back. I thought this was a cool way to do it. And also a cool way to still, like, Barry's around. He's, we've discussed many times, like, it, I would love him as just kind of a, like, a wiser, or, you know, more closer to, like, a Max Mercury kind of kind of guy. Um, but, yeah. Oh, and I thought the reason for it, right? Another deep flash cut that still works, even if, I think, even if you don't know about who he is, Savitar. Um, yeah. I thought that was, I was like, oh yeah, Savitar. He was cool. He was come from uh, oh, one of the, one of the big epic uh, 90s Wally West stories. Um, mm-hmm. I think after beating him, this may be one of the first times that Wally accidentally traveled in time and Linda was like his lightning rod to get oh, back. Okay. Nice. Maybe. Um, or actually, no, it was when he congealed the suit into the speed force for the, Okay. I don't know. One, both, or not. Someone you don't see. Um, and they do that here, but he's just talking to nobody in the bathroom. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is weird. That is weird. I think they tried to figure out like how can we mimic this? Yeah, but still have it because there's no reason he would like go into the sanctuary and record a new yeah. video while he's there. Um, but then at the end, the, the, one of the kids is like, "Dad, are you still in the bathroom?" Right. <laughs> like, okay, that was weird. I, um, although I did think it was cool that it was tomorrow, and then the rest of the story happens, which sometimes can be real annoying. But um, this was a really done, a really well done, like rehabilitation. Right? Like it hits mm-hmm. all the different points. Like Green Arrow was especially upset with him, and is present yeah. for the reason that he shouldn't be upset. So. Also, I read Infinite Crisis. I forget if I read it first or not, but I definitely read last month. And I was like, oh, Roy's fine. He's fine. Like, he'll be... I mean, he's going through something, as usual, but... Uh, oh, Infinite Frontier? Infinite Frontier. Sorry, not Infinite yeah. Crisis. Yeah. And um, and you get a little tease of, like, what what was this room that Savitar was in? Who put him there? Because I think that will be happening in the future. Um, yeah. And I'm excited to see what happens next. And you get a little Justice League action, too. And... As we said before, you know, when this when they were deep in Wally being bad, people are like, there's no way you can undo this. And it's like, yes, you can. Something was wrong with the speed force. And here we are. Um, yeah. Oh, and the whole the fast, you know, being super fast thing at the end, the fight with Savitar. Very well done. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's classic fun flash. I yeah. really like this. Exactly. Yeah, this is this is up there with Nightwing for me right now. You know, I was talking mm. about not dealing with the multiversal stuff as much DC comics and maybe just doing fun stories. Mm. This feels a little bit more like that. Mm. Um, they are dealing with uh, heroes in crisis. Wasn't really an event. Um, right. So uh, them dealing with it doesn't really feel like the problem that I had with infinite frontier at first. Um, this feels more like classic Wally in the same way that Nightwing feels like classic Dick Grayson. Cool. Yeah. Len, what did you think? No, I hated this. I think oh, this no. was, um, just I'm I'm so and it's a shame because I like the stories leading up to this. I like Wally jumping in uh, in and out of all of these different speedsters and kind of like seeing life through their eyes. I enjoyed a lot of that. But then once it gets to the end, outside of the art, which I think is very, very good. And J.D. passed a page where you see Roy Harper just standing alone in the field. And I think is one of the most like really just well done pieces of comic book art that I've seen in a long while. But outside of that, uh, every asset that is, I think is just a really strong piece of artwork. It's very evocative. It puts you in a scene. He looks like he's looking at somebody. You see the kind of like shadow of spy, uh, flash on the, the, the grass blades. It's really cool. Outside of that, I'm like, yo, what are y'all doing here? This is this is annoying. I am I am so bored with this. Oh, Savitar, really? Please. He is as corny as his suit. This is his suit up. sucks. <laughs> suit I think he has a so cool bad. suit. That's, I, I like his outfit. That suit is one of the dumbest. The, the only people that like that are are like choir members. Like, oh, because that would be cooler than what they have to wear. Oh, it can light up in the middle. No, okay. he's, nothing, like a, not, he's like a, a cult guy. Nothing says I run really fast like huge Bro. drapes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is between this, my legs. <laughs> it's stupid. It's really stupid. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of the speed force being looked at as either like this, this force or a person. Or now it's like it's a fuse. It's got a surge in it. Oh, we got to hit the, the, the surge breaker. So, we can get, <laughs> but we got to push it and push the surge out of the like, get the fuck out of here. This is so stupid. And then Mr. Terrific Aww. is supposed to be the smartest man in, in the D 
SEC universities like, uh, so how are we going to save them? Uh-huh. Like, just get, get out of here. <laughs> it's just, it's just well, to be fair, you know, that's like, it's that's no, 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 no. Green Arrow is is about to have a very cathartic moment. Excuse me. We are all here to save your boy, Wally. But now I'm finding out that Roy is here and you tell me there's nothing we can do. No, let's make this happen. We need to make this happen. And and that sounds like a real motherfucking moment. Right. So, Mm -hmm. yes. Do they whitewash it by having, you know, Roy look into my eyes and Ollie can see you like get the hell out of here. But okay, Roy gives him this like this deep heart to heart. And I realize I've got to die. And then we are expected to believe that in the five minutes after that green arrow, who we know, not just from our history with the character, but from this book can be a very highly emotional dude. It's supposed to eat that and just be like. All right, yeah, one love, Wally. Get the fuck. And it didn't even read oh, that. Wait, but there's so, so much history the two of them. Even you know? true to the character as he has been de- being depicted over the last four or five issues. It made absolutely no sense. It was boring and quiet as kept. I didn't like that once they got back to where Barry and, and, and Ollie and all of them were, I didn't like to switch to the art. I like the art from before. I preferred that. Well, why couldn't you bring that artist over too? I understand that <laughs> it was already established as this is what what the, what that universe looks like. I understand mm-hmm. that, but I would have just called an audible and said, "Oh my God, we brought the artist too," and just changed it all over. Because I mean, you're going to change this all over in two issues anyway. And if you read and if you read Infinite Frontier, you still don't know what happened to. Roy. You, if you read this first, you're like, "Well, Roy, Roy died." Well, now why sees a, a black at uh, a black lantern that can't even enjoy a meal at the diner why was he at the diner like what the hell is going on please well they don't know i think that's I mean, they a don't scheduling know that he's problem. Alive. yeah i think that's a scheduling problem i think this was supposed to happen before infinite frontier um and maybe that's what happened um i don't know no no because i think the thing in infinite frontier is like roy's alive but he hasn't told anybody like he's yeah. and he's a black lantern like he's not you know he's clearly yeah, but the, the emotional heft of this um, hmm. Saying goodbye to Roy when we know that Roy is back a oh, couple for weeks sure. ago. Right, right. It, it, it's empty. Yeah, I mean, I was just doing it for the character. You know, like it's not empty yeah. for Green Arrow. You know that yeah. kind of thing. But Len, you enjoyed the ones leading up to this, right? The the Flash yeah, ones that we read. So hopefully, now there was a lot of like Flash continuity lifting done in this issue. <laughs> That won't need to be done, right, in the future. Right. Next, so, after this, it's a clean slate. Right. So hopefully. Okay. Remember you know. those words. After this. No, we're saying, we're saying hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> well, but that was like, that was a big part of the story was like, let's get Wally back to being the Flash and address yeah. things that are an issue with that. Which I also think like. Man, they could have just had his kids not around anymore, but not in a sad way. You know, just like, oh, Linda and I are back together and we know we've seen this vision now. In the future, we'll have these kids. Right. That would be great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But. Oh, those kids. I don't hate the kids. They didn't do anything wrong. It was the, the writers did wrong. I'll tell you what. If I meet the kids in like a multiverse, it's all real kind of way, I, I have no grudge against those children. Yeah. But in the Flash comics, <laughs> they've not been that great. In the only way that I've experienced them so far, <laughs> right. I hate them. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. 
Well, so, they want a play date with Kai, yeah. <laughs> which isn't one of their names. Jay. 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 Oh, right, because it's J-A-I, and my kid's name is K-A-I. I did definitely think of that when you told me your son's name. <laughs> That they had also, which I thought was a clever thing to do, because that means something in Linda Parks' cultures, you know, like it's a, a word there, but it's also Jay, like Jay Garrick. I also like that he's back in the classic Flash costume. He's back in a slight, this is a brand new version in one little way, I think. So he's got basically what evolved as his costume right before, you know, the New 52, but he now also has the white eyes, which were, I think it's oh. cool. You know, it's like a cool look for him. I never liked the white eyes back in the day, but now, yeah. you know, they're a little bit different from Barry. And I, I love seeing this new costume. Oh, no gold so, circle. You're saying, so you're saying that we had to pay attention to the eyes so that we can know which flash is. Well, no, I'd be no, fine no, with well, it if Barry had a different cut. Co- What's that? Barry has the, the, the new 52 piping all along his costume still. True. Oh, okay. And he's those, got the gold. Yellow, yeah. I mean, they're not, they're, I think sometimes it depends on the artist. It don't look to be there. that they are, they're supposed to be yellow when he's running. Right, right. When he's not, they're just like not lit up. So you can see them there. Um, and then when he's running, they light up gold. Um, but it depends on the artist. Sometimes they're gold all the time. Uh, Ooh, I do not to. like that piping. Like I have not no. enjoyed Barry Allen's uh, new 52 costume. The yellow circle around the white and the yeah. gold piping. Also, uh, the way Brandon Peterson draws those ears on both of them, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. I've seen so many, so many better uh, ear designs than that. They are. I, see, this art in general is like, I really like it, but it also maybe isn't the best for the flash. Like, right. it's got a bit of a static feel to it. Um, um, but at the same time, I Brandon really Peterson, enjoy it. Brandon Peterson is really good at technology mm. um, and metallic stuff. Mm. Um, but the rest of the stuff can feel a little just, yeah, static. Yeah. So I guess that is. So I guess the way this artist does it is they are always gold. It's just so thin. It's a little Yeah, shiny. I didn't see that, that in the, the print edition. Even. <laughs> like, I didn't notice it until we were like zoomed in. But, but Len, the reason I brought that up is, you know, like this is the annual, it finishes the story and, you know, it sucks that you, you weren't into it. But given that you liked the earlier ones, I, I have hope that maybe you would like that once they get into their like, oh, we're just we're now telling our Wally West stories, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, well, and uh, Gold Beetle, you could come back. Len, do you care? Which is do you? OK, do you care about the Flash as a character? And if so, which Flash? I care about Wally West. Okay. You're a Wally guy. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just wanted to double check. Um, and you read the right. first two of this arc, right? No, I, yeah, I read a couple of these arcs. Yeah, right? well, no, I remember. I think we reviewed the first two. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to Ninjack, or Ninja K, number one by Jeff Parker and Javier Polito. That's why I wanted to read this book. I skipped it because I ran out of time, and I was like, I don't care about this anyway. Oh, there was some cool. reason that I wanted to read this and I forgot what it was. Turns out it was Javier Polito's art. Um, before I move on, did, did, did you guys read this book? Yes, and the art was awesome and they should have put it on the cover and maybe you would have read it. Yeah. Uh, Ninja, Ninjak number one, Valiant Comics by Jeff Parker with art by Javier Polito. Out of the shadows and into the spotlight, 
The world's greatest super spy has been exposed. Uh-oh. Colin King is Ninjak, and he has a target on his back like never before. With oh, I was hoping it was going to be like rhyming. Um, <laughs> with... Uh, Colin, Colin King is Ninjak, and he has a target on his back. Uh, with enemies lurking around every corner, how will Ninjak survive when there's nowhere left to hide? That does kind of rhyme. And the world is gunning for him. Um, so, who wants to take this away? Someone tell us about the book. Go ahead, Brandon. Brian. Oh, Brian. Was awesome. Brian. So, yeah, let's call Brandon in. See if we got. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know Ninjak, right? I. Uh, I remember him from the 90s, like existing and being one of the deluge of Jack suffocated characters. <laughs> and, um, and that was about it, right? So, uh, deluge of Jack. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Oh, the 90s. Um, and I, you know, reading this, I, I open it up, I see this page one, the like panel stuff. Our friend Rob had been commenting on our chat that he's he misses panels, right? And I was like, yeah. well, you got to read this book. This one right here, it's very simple. The bottom right corner going like diagonally cutting across this grid of two other people talking to show these people who are spying on them. Very well done. And then like yeah. the next one is this like diagonal kind of page. This Art, the art inside the panels is really cool too, right? It's this like yeah. minimalist, mid-century kind of, mid-last century kind of um, uh, like cartoon-ish mm -hmm. art, but done with so much of that uh, like James Bond opening credits feel mm -hmm. to, to this, uh, which I have only really seen I, I uh, sorely lacking in the interior of those movies, just the just the credits. So, but I think I'm right about that. The the colors, the the simplicity of the colors on different pages, different colors. It's not like you've got an all red book. You've got different pages, are like entirely one or one with a, a hints of another kind of color. And yeah, and I'm like, why didn't they do this on the on the cover? They put yeah, this they yeah. kind of painted look on the cover, which is very generic, very. Um, uh, very 90s kind of thing. Oh, I'm in my copy. I'm on this page where you see him taking down the people who are chasing the people, the woman that's following him. And you just see his shadow and then the guy's hand. I think it's like two or three pages after this. Um, oh, it's good. Oh, and this, oh, just like the, the progression. Ah, of yeah. yeah, this is great. And yeah, just the panel layout itself. Uh, was a lot of what I liked about this book and then the inside yeah. of it. And the story was also cool. You know, I've been going on about the art because it's really good, but I was into the story. You know, the guys, it's nice. nothing that original, but yeah, he's he's been, uh, he's been, everyone's been exposed. And so he's now teaming up with the woman who thought she was secretly following him. So, nice. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah I'm looking the, through this. The MacGuffin of the story, which is basically about you know, um, all these, you know, MI6 agents having their cover exposed, you know, uh, it it reads almost like a Mission Impossible. Like, mm. you know, they don't really care about the plot. It's all about, you know, the characterization of the people that are, are um, you know, we are following along on this adventure. And then the set pieces that they put them in, just to, to keep the metaphor going with the Mission Impossible movie. And what this comic book does in very simplistic um 
minimalist strokes art wise is evoke that feel right from the door right it's very like i'm going deep into my into the memory but it's very uh evocative of jim steranko's art yeah like nick fury stuff yeah yeah on on shield or or if you ever are able and i think they just put out a a re uh a reissue of a lot of the books from um uh paul gulacy uh, when he did Shang Chi, and his his comics also had kind of like that very, like very like like just felt steeped in espionage and mood and just a thriller, and that's what this book does. And I have to be honest, when I opened up the book, because as you said, the the cover is a very very big business. <laughs> you are thinking you are thinking something totally different when you open up the open up the mm-hmm. book. So much so that I think it's kind of cool that the ninja jacket that is on the cover never appears in the book. You never yeah. see that ninjack appear. Yeah. Ninjack is in here, but it ain't that dude. It is somebody totally immersed in this um, almost Ed Brubaker-ish spy novel of a story. And I wasn't <laughs> sure that the art was going to to work out. I didn't, I wasn't sure whether or not the art matched, but like you said, um, the from that opening w- with the with the panel layouts and and also the panel layouts and the the dialogue and how the dialogue is written and displayed across the panels which is making the making that also a part of the art and helps with the progression of your reading of this comic book that made this really an enjoyable comic isn't anything wholly original hell no <laughs> did it feel uh, fun all the same? Yeah. Yes, it did. And yeah. I really enjoyed it. And it's very, it feels strange to say that the worst thing about this comic book is that the, the, the cover doesn't <laughs> tell it right. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're going to, if you are like, if you look at that 90 ish kind of co- cover, maybe you, you might buy it if you've got 90s. St- uh, nostalgia, but this is not a '90s comic book in in its feel through the pages, and you might feel let down. Conversely, if you're into this type of comic book and you pass this on the shelves, you're going to look past it because it's yeah. does, it, it doesn't sell it at at, at all, and um, that's a shame because this is really was a cool comic. Um, yeah. He even does something. Javier even does something really cool here, where you've got your. Um, your word bubbles, but then you've got your word panels and mm-hmm. he even takes the word, one of the word panels and makes it an art panel. Yeah. yeah. I don't think little, I've ever seen that before. Right. You, you just, yeah. you know, you've got your word panels and then, um, you, he just happens to throw in someone looking through binoculars inside the panel. Yeah. Very There's cool. There's a lot of those little, uh, moments actually JD on the bottom of this page is the title, which is also very well done. Like, you know, just graphic design wise. But yeah, Lynn, you were talking about Starenko's shield, and I know about that one, you know, that one series of panels where he wanted to do something kind of suggestive, and they were like, no, you can't. So he drew a gun in a holster, which is yeah. so much more suggestive. Yeah. Right. Than, <laughs> right. And, but it's that kind of thing. And on page one, you see it. And here you kind of see it where it just like a smokus on a, a smokus, a focus on a small object. Um, it, in the scene 
you know, kind of I don't know, just has this cool ring to it. And I think that is also a similar thing to what's happening with that little version in the word the word box. Mm-hmm. That little uh, like almost an icon of this woman looking at him, but it's also a drawing in the same in the same style as the rest of the art. Cool. This is great. So good. It's so yeah. cool. Um, yeah. If you've got one, I JJ, wish... you put it in my bin. If you still have Ooh, one. I w- yeah. I'll try to... I need to make a note. Um, make a note of it. The only thing is, like, Javier Polito's his work has sort of evolved throughout the years. He, When I first saw him, I believe it was on Amazing Spider-Man about 10, 15 years ago. Um, and he was doing some of the cool panel work there as well, but with a slightly different style. Um, the eyes... His eyes have gotten really, really big of late, um, much more cartoony. Um, it's even uh, the line work is pared down to being sort of simplistic, a la Paul Grist, um, mm-hmm. who is a, a British um, uh, comic booker. And, uh, he does a lot with shadow and stuff like that. Um, I just I would like this version of his panel layouts with the older style, the older version of his style. But otherwise, I mean, this is awesome. This is so, so much fun to look at. Um, And he's in a superhero world, too, which you you just happen to be on that last page. And so I'm interested to see how that will go. Like these this supervillain team now knows who he is, because I guess his identity was compromised as well. Nobody knew who he was. And there we go. The cover of issue number two, bringing it home. Unbelievable. Why would they do that? It looks almost, it looks almost like a Rob Liefeld. Like a parody of the original Ninjak. Well, here's the thing. Unfortunately, this is Valiant Comics and and Mm. Valiant, we know, has been trying very hard to reestablish some Mm. type of foothold in the comic book um, universe. And I think the powers that be there and then I mean the people that are making decisions, not so much the creators, as you can tell by yeah. the interiors, interiors of this book, but the, the 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 powers that be there still have a very '90s mentality, mm-hmm. and and they and they think that type of artwork is going to sell, and and to me that shows a lack of trust in your yeah. property and in your um your true creators. Well, I think a, a fear also, right? That you're like, no, we can't show it being this different. I think you're exactly right, Len, when you said they split their their audience kind of, mm-hmm. you know, by by show, having the 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 willingness to do it on the interior, but not being confident enough to show it on the cover, you know. Yeah, and you kind of run into a problem because even if you do reel in those '90s people with the mm-hmm. cover and they open this, that sort of aesthetic. I well, I'm making a generalization. I feel like people who appreciate that sort of aesthetic will be offended by how cool the interior is. Like they won't think this is cool at all. They're like they'll think yeah. that this is amateurish and ugly. Um, right. And so then you've disappointed the audience you were going for by doing your um, safe cover. And instead, right. you, you, you know, you're also not bringing in the people who would think this is cool. Right, right. So you're, right. you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot two times. Yeah. The only way you can get away with something like that, because there have been, let's face it, there have been covers where the art looks wholly different oh. from what is inside, right? Yeah. But when that happens, then it generally is the cover looks like something that almost 
couldn't be produced on 22 consecutive pages, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. it looks almost like a painting mm-hmm. or it's by an artist who you know can't do 22 pages anymore. Alex uh, Ross. Adam Hughes or Alex <laughs> Ross, right? So, so you buy that. So now I'm just buying the book. I know I'm buying the book for a poster cover and possibly a cool comic book. Because this art looks so evocative of what was on the pages in the 90s. And also, let's be fair, is some is on the pages of some other comic books that are still on the shelves now. It is that makes the disconnect all the more, you know, just jarring when you when you open it up. And 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 it doesn't sell the comic book at all. It is not what the comic book is in look or feel. The comic book is so much more than that. It really is yeah. ever a comic book begged for a var- 9,000 var- right. var- variant on this right yeah exactly this is comic well i think i think you're right again len that if the art styles were switched you'd be like oh that makes sense because mm-hmm. this goes up a level right alex ross's art is up a level of whatever complexity or whatever uh artisticness but it's the other way around in this yeah. case yeah um don't don't just listen to us. Teen Misbehaven commented, uh, "Good morning, guys. Jeff Parker is such a solid writer, and Javier Polito's layouts in this book are incredible." That was a solid so, reading rainbow uh, Lavar Burton moment there, JJ. But don't oh, take well, our word for it. Oh, funny. <laughs> uh, let's move on to. Hey, J- hey, JD. If you don't mind oh. me just interjecting a little bit before oh, we move on, I just had a question for uh, B. If you don't hey. mind. I um, don't mind. Well, thank you, V. <laughs> thank you. People were listening and watching our show, yeah. and they were moved to want to maybe help make this show go. How could they do so? Oh, I'm glad you asked, Lynn. The, the answer here is patreon.com backslash Johnny Destructo is a website that uh, the Patreon people have set up with Johnny Destructo's help to allow <laughs> you to, to like send us money, right? Which is great. Um, these headphones are uh, theoretically purchased through the Patreon. Oh, I still have to pay account. you for Jenny has to give me the money for it, but whatever, it's fine. The intent <laughs> is there. Oh, and fired. <laughs> it's that kind of intent that we appreciate, but we also really appreciate it if you just tell people about the show, right? Yeah. So if you can donate money, that's awesome. A quarter, a month, anything. If you can just tell people about the show, if you like it, get them to watch it, because honestly, that's most of the reason that we do it. We love uh, to talk in front of people about comics and whatever, and the more people, the merrier. So, yeah. Thanks for asking, Len. So if, if you gave the Patreon specifically to buy Brian his headphones, <laughs> JD, kick that money over the front. I, I'm going to I keep forgetting. <laughs> That's quite all right. It's quite all right. I, you know, I wasn't even expecting it because I lost the previous headphones that the show did in fact buy me that JD yeah. surprised me with one day. This- and, um, oh, and you know, also, of course, as you know, these days, like subscribe, post about it on Facebook, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, we love it if nice you come things, here when preferably. we're live, but even afterwards. Yeah. Nice things, preferably, you know? Yeah. Just, and post about yeah. nice things about us on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Email us, uh, at coltspopgo at gmail.com. And we'll, we'll discuss your email on the air. Uh, we used to do that all the time, but ever since um, coming on the YouTube, we get less of them because I guess everyone's just hanging out in the chat. Well, now we're live, yeah, and I think that's yeah. fun, yeah. you know, also fun. Yeah. 
Um, before I introduce this book, did everyone read? Because uh, I didn't. Savage Hearts. I read it. I did read Savage Hearts. I did read it. Okay, great. Savage Hearts number one by Dark Horse Comics, written by Aubrey Sitterson, with art by Jed da- Doherty. Do Docker. Maybe Doherty even. Who knows? Is that Doherty? Um, She's a brawny barbarian bruiser with a broken heart. He's a lonely beastman who talks to dinosaurs. What happens when they team up against an evil sorcerer? Action, comedy, and romance in this all-new jungle fantasy rom-com from Aubrey Citizen of No One Left to Fight, the comic book story of professional wrestling, and Jed Doherty, World's Finest, Harley Quinn, Justice League Future's End. Uh, That's the end of it. (laughs) I, uh, I did not... Did not end that properly. The inflection was wrong. Him to apologize. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't. I did not read Savage Hearts. Um, right. I, for reasons. Who, who who wants to talk about it? You do. Go. Let's chat. Uh, let Go, ahead. Go ahead. Were you uh, Were you into it? Okay, I, I read it. I okay. wanted it to be, be into this comic book. The art mm-hmm. is very, it's good art. It's great art. Um, the inking is a little bit heavy in well, that heavy. sometimes yeah. it was hard for me to discern the background from the foreground and things of that nature. But for the most part, it's it's uh, an interesting comic book. Um, it's, it's, it's great looking comic book. The colors pop. Um, the story, it drops you right in the middle of this universe and it just asks you to play catch up. I don't mind that type of storytelling. Um, and while I mean drop you in the middle of this universe, you're right in the middle of the of an adventure. And it also has its own look and language. Like you've got to understand the 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 slang of this of this universe as well. But even in this, even with them having their own language. This comic book to me was nothing but running double entendres. And, <laughs> and while that can be fun and cute uh, for the first three pages, for <laughs> 28 pages, I'm like, all right, bruh, enough of the horns. Like, let's, let's, let's pump our brakes here, right? Um, and while you can drop somebody into a middle of a a story, a middle of an adventure, a middle of the universe, there does have to be a moment where you slow down a little bit and play a little bit of catch up. Now, that generally does sometimes happen around issue two or three, but with so much going on in this comic book, I was hoping for at least one page to breathe. And this page, this comic book didn't give it to me. That's just, but that could just be me. You know, your mileage may vary as you read this comic book and get wrapped up in the whole fantasy of elements of it and just enjoy it for this thrilling ride that it purports to be. I just think that it's a ride that could have been a little bit more evenly paced, but as a crazy, fun, you know, action packed fantasy with this big like she hulkish type of chick running around who's like you know just badass but you know she's booksome and 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 bodacious with her body and she's got this horny horned night night crawlerish looking guy like running up you know after her fall, fell in Mr. love with her. well yeah yeah who is this it looks like Mr. Tumnus from um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Right, right. Oh. 
and and he basically fell, falls in love her with her uh, at, at first sight. Which you know, to be fair, if I came across, I get you know, it. If John Burns She Hulk was in real life, I would fall in love with her in first sight. So yeah. I, I yeah. can I can rap with that. But and 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 you might get in, involved in this and and enjoy it. And I can see people having a whole lot of cosplay fun with this comic book. Yeah. But to me, it was just a li- it was just a little bit too much too soon but that being said it was fun great art and i think people will enjoy it i see a lot of um art adams little bit little bit style there is it feels a lot um well before i get into that there are a lot of double entendres there are also a lot of just single entendres yeah. <laughs> where he's like <laughs> I would like to be having sex with you at this moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's he's uh he doesn't mince entendres this guy so <laughs> um, it it reminds me a lot of those like 90s but maybe even earlier actually but I was just reading them in the late 80s early 90s uh or coming across them then this like body fantasy, mm-hmm. um, that kind of thing where, you know, it's, it's highly sexual and all about like this, this character is all about his, uh, being with this, this woman, um, adventurer warrior. Yeah. And like, that's his whole reason for being, uh, which is, you know, which is not an uncommon type where it's the, the man, this like, Don Juan kind of guy, you know, or like the guy who's all about love, like falls for somebody and and uh, wants her and we'll see what happens. I did like the the bit because it's tongue in cheek also in the style of those uh, mm-hmm. earlier things. I like the bit where the guy, the, they want this Fuxian orb and the, he's just like, well, you know, my intended will protect me. And he comes out with a big hammer and then these people show up and he's like, just give them the orb. It's not, we will get you another orb. It's not, I'm not fighting these guys. It ain't that deep. You know? yeah. <laughs> right. What do you want with this orb anyway? Um, and so, yeah, it has, it has all the markings and makings of a romp of a body fantasy story that is absurd, that is like silly too. And mm-hmm. Like this army of birds coming up that everyone is terrified of the flappers. Um, so yeah, I mean, not something that I would necessarily feel drawn to continue, but if you like that kind of story, it's another, another fine entry. Uh, this art is really nice. I really like the art in this book a lot. I'm really, um, stricken by this, the architecture in this one panel, um, mm. the layout, the layout of the page and the architecture therein, I think is really, really cool. Um, I keep going back to it. I just think it's really well done, really well constructed. Yeah, um, like it is building. You're talking about the literal, the architecture that is depicted in the panel. Yes. Right? The okay, actual great. architecture of the building, right, um, right. the way the building is, um, put together and it looks really solid and it looks like something that could exist mm. in real life. Um, yeah, this it's is interesting really in contrast to the other ones too. Right. I hadn't noticed that JD, but the, yeah, the, directly above in that page direct the panel directly above is the like village that is surrounding that and there's a strong difference between those two styles yep yeah Yeah. very very cool 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 notice um this does not look like something i would care to read um (laughs) just just to base it on what's happening uh that i'm looking at but the art is really nice yeah yeah you can 
Yeah. I won't. I won't knock it because I can't. This is one of those comments. This is this is the story that in days of old, this would not be its own series. This would be a part of like heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. Or or back when Marvel did epic. Yeah, um, some anthology book. Yeah, Yeah. it would be like a, 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 and it would feel perfect there and then mm-hmm. it would have its its run of, of about three or four issues of that magazine and then somebody would pull it out of there and they release it as one one thing. it would definitely be a magazine though right like uh, in yep. the eras where uh mm-hmm. comic you know you hardly so well, not that you see that many now but the yeah definitely magazine size uh, i just happened to notice again this this architecture that you pointed out in the front of it there's these two fruits which you see later in the jungle there's mm-hmm. these like that that's pretty cool detail yeah. yeah um uh what was i saying i said art adams um i'm gonna add with uh by way of ed mcginnis uh, yeah. a little bit with the with the muscles and stuff like that yeah the, the difference i will say is that ed mcginnis tends to draw everybody with muscles <laughs> ed, yeah. ed, ed mcginnis is this is this uh 21st century bart sears um, mm-hmm. whereas, um, Art Adams, Art Adams, he definitely has a way w- around the woman's body, but he, yeah. there's a little bit more subtlety to mm-hmm. Art Adams' yeah. art, I think. Yeah. Yeah, this is Which Art could also Adams, be the ink like, that you notice on. To the nth. Yeah. Hmm. But, all right. Um, let's see. Any more books? Is that the end of it? What do we got? Oh, no, it's not. Oh, geez, it's not. Um, <laughs> but I, I got 10 minutes before I open the store. So um, we're just going to go through Sinister War and Maneaters really quickly. Uh, Sinister War number one from Marvel Comics, written by Nick Spencer and Mark Bagley. Dr. Octopus is back, and the Sinister War has begun. Ox got a new Sinister Six, and if you think he's thought big in the past... Think again. What Ock doesn't know is that the Vulture has a sextet of his own, the Savage Six. It's an all-out war, oh my god, it's the title, between two of the greatest villains in the Marvel Universe, and the only person they hate more than each other is Spideyman. Spidey's in deep trouble with the toughest battle he's ever faced. So, uh, for some reason, this is called Sinister War Number 1, and not Amazing Spider-Man Sinister War Number 1 or just part of this amazing Spider-Man run. I'm not sure why they've done this, but whatever. Um, This is part of the amazing Spider-Man run by Nick Spencer. And this is art by Mark Bagley, which is pretty cool. Um, Nice to see him back. And um, Peaks and Valleys with Nick Spencer's run. I think some of it is really, really fun and really cool and does rely heavily on some member berries, as we keep saying in the show today for some reason. Uh, But um, it's not all... Peaches and cream. I think some of the stories have been a little lackluster. This, however, is fun. I thought this was a really big, fun, crazy Spider-Man story. It felt very, very Spider-Man, especially now that Mary Jane is kind of back full time, it seems, from California. She was out making a movie um, secretly with Mysterio, who is trying to be re um, reformed. Reformed. Thank you. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we, we have like four different villain teams uh, coming together, um, which this was this is big and fun and crazy. I really enjoyed this. Um, this is a high point so far of Nick Spencer's run. What did you think, Len? Oh, OK, well, um, sorry. No, no, it's fine. Had, I, you're I, part I, of the show. I had to include you. 
And then I appreciate I think he's that. more sorry about what he's about to say. Yeah, I just didn't care. Um, I, I, I like the, I like the, let me say this. I like the rehabilitation of Mysterio, right? Um, but for the most part, I have liked a lot of the rehabilitation of uh, Spider-Man villains um, to the deg- to the point where I hate when they are back to being villains. Like I yeah. loved Sandman when he was like, you know what? I'm tired of this. It made sense. So him going back to a villain didn't make any sense to, to me. Rhino, I like when he rehabilitated him, but I could see him going both ways. Rhino, they kind of like made him like Solomon Grundy. Depending on who's writing them, yeah. you feel sorry for the big dumb guy or he's just a big dumb guy. Right? Well, and also but, we have multiple rhinos. Oh, see, see I, I didn't even know that. And I don't know which rhino this is. Um, yeah. But uh, so, so I I like the idea of Mysterio being the latest Spider-Man villain to try and rehabilitate his, his image and leaning in on who he is, like in the movie trade and you know hmm. special effects and all that type of stuff. I'm cool with it, yeah. right? Um, and I don't even mind the idea of there being a Savage Six and a Sinister Six. You know, I was like, okay, this is kind of fun, especially because, as Spider-Man points out, some of you guys like, dude, I barely know you. Why are <laughs> yeah. you hitting yeah. me? You know? yeah. Yeah. Why are you wasting your time with me? Like, there's so many other heroes that you could be better suited for. Like, I don't even know you, dog. Why are you, why are you <laughs> yeah. hitting me? Like, this this is not fair, right? But that's Spider-Man. So that, that digs, I, I'm with that. But then... As in everything with Spider-Man, it always has to lead back to his personal life and who knows Peter is really Spider-Man and it all goes back to Kindred and which yeah. will somehow get back to the Osborns and it becomes <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. Yep. Um, this is just annoying as hell. Can we just like let that Go. You right? know it's even I, more annoying, Len. Did you? I don't know if they told you this in this issue or not, because um, I caught up on a bunch of amazing this week. Um, it's not just that Kindred is Harry Osborn. There's also a Harry Osborn that is imprisoned by Kindred with right. Carly, and then there's another uh, Harry Osborn uh, who we saw his corpse. So mm-hmm. there's three different Harry Osborns floating around in different I, forms. It's just so annoying, and it's to me. If you really want to return Spider-Man to his glory, you get back to this. The villains fighting Spider-Man and then all of a sudden fighting each other. You know, that's that's Spider-Man. Like, unfortunately, that, that's his luck in life. But then you got to wrap all this supernatural kindred and all this. I, I just, mm. Please. And then Mark Bagley, who is, God bless him, a very talented artist. But because he is, he, he, he's also an artist who, as much as I hate to say this about my, my favorite artists all, all the time, George Perez, is an art, he's an artist who I think his age is showing. Because there are moments when his art is on point, and then there's moments when his art is just like really like slipping. Like people's eyes will be lent, will be resting on their cheeks. And I'm like, yo. Uh, that, to be fair, to be fair and also a little cruel, that was young Bagley's thing too. Um, I, there have been, there have, there, I've, I literally said when I see a different artist and their eyes are 
sort of um, uh, sloth from uh, mm-hmm. Goonies. I, I, I call them bagly eyes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's not recent. Uh, oh, well, and then uh, it was just very egregious on here, especially when you're drawing Mary Jane, who has been built up to be this voluptuous beauty in all of Marvel. <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes she's not as, you know, well defined uh, artistically. Yeah. So ultimately, this became like a big Mishigash. It just felt like a Spider-Man annual to me. Um, but I, I just think it was, it was more of the same stuff that is just yeah. been annoying me about Spider-Man lately. It sounds like Brian, it sounds like Brian Michael Bendis wrote Len's dialogue just now. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah with this Spider-Man and the villains coming after him <laughs> <laughs> every day. Uh. Um, I liked it. I, I, so I think we brought up a couple of weeks ago that we haven't, uh, uh, we, I haven't read Spider-Man in some time. It was when it went to three times a month in like the early, uh, brand new day that I was like, this is too much. And I just kind of dropped off. Um, and, uh, I, I was like, Oh, it was nice reading, reading about Peter Parker a little bit. You know, he's in his Spider-Man costume flipping around, Shooting webs, <laughs> you know, all that kind of Sticking stuff. on stuff. <laughs> yeah, everything a spider can do. Um, yeah. He does it. Uh, that's probably not true. But also the... the <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't shoot webs out of his ass. Yeah, that's something a spider can do. He doesn't possess a thorax, right? That's my qualm with Spider-Man. He's still... In his- Always has been. Yeah. It always has been. I'm like, where's the thorax? And I'm nuts. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I like the, uh, I like the Savage Six. You know, it was way late into my oh, comics shit. reading when I was told or realized that a lot of Spider-Man villains are animal-based too. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's kind of cool. They're all, they're all yeah. together. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I just enjoyed it. I for a moment I was like, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll start checking out Spider Man again, see what happens with all of this, um, and the Mephisto Doctor Strange stuff. I mean, I'm down with it, but I also get where you're coming from, Len. Like, it's not really his main thing, and Spider Man does not lend himself to other things as well as some other characters, right? Like, yeah. Batman can be in with in the occult. And then in the next issue, he's in the, the like the dark streets of Gotham, and he's not the kind of guy who ever saw a, a, a witch in his life or a vampire. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and it just all works. Spider Man is not quite that malleable uh, for whatever yeah. reason. So yeah, yeah. even Daredevil, I thought was it was kind of strange um, when Daredevil back in the Anne Nascenti run would like go up against Mephisto and um, Blackheart and stuff. But I was like, well, I guess the devil's in his name. I guess that's all right. Um, But yeah, ever since Brand New Day, or One More Day, where the deal was made with Mephisto, it felt very out of field. Um, It's not right at all for a Spider-Man story to make a deal with the devil. Um, For a guy who's all about responsibility to then take the easy way out of making a deal with the devil Fuck you. Um, so I'm hoping that this is sort of wrapping that up. Um, Seems like. And, and Dr. Strange yeah. is like, he would never do that and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I definitely understand, Len, where you're coming from as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, this just felt like a lot of fun to me. I actually quite enjoyed this. 
Um, let's move right. on cool. to Maneaters yeah. the Cursed, Image Comics, Chelsea Kane, Emily Powell. Maneaters the Cursed reunites the original Maneaters creative team for another tale of adolescent feminist daring do and supernatural hijinks. Maud, now 15, is sent to craft camp for the week. It goes south pretty quickly. Smart, laugh out loud, funny, provocative. Re referential, scary, chock full of ephemera, and compulsively rereadable, plus fairies. Advisory, do not read this book while you are actually camping. Um, uh, I did not, I, I think I read the first Maneater, oh gosh, he's got my laptop again. I, I read the first Maneaters for the most part. I'm not sure that I finished it. Mm. Um, let me change the thing up, there we go, Maneaters. Um, and uh, it was fine. I think part of my trouble with Chelsea Kane is that she suffers from white woman feminism, uh, mm. which sort of excludes other sorts of feminism, like trans people and and uh, women of color and stuff like that. Um, this is outside of this is like what you know outside, of her, yes, outside of yes, comics, outside okay, of the comic book itself. I gotcha. um, it was even you know the story Man Eaters, the original miniseries, is about a world where when women get their periods, they turn into panthers, And so, um, you know, society has made it so that they can drink this drink, which suppresses that. Oh. Um, and wow. that's sort of a whole commentary I about- You didn't know that one? No. Um, yeah. Um, which has nothing to do with what's happening in this, this series. But one of the interesting questions was from the, from the readers, well, how does that affect trans women? Like, how does this, that's an interesting story you could be telling, um, but you're kind of excluding this whole more, in, this very interesting element of, um, you know, the trans community, which I think is the same problem, not problem, but the same sort of thing that could be dealt with in Why the Last Man, but they don't really do it. Mm -hmm. um, all of the men die, and how does that affect trans women and sort of stuff? Um, I'm wondering if the TV show, which has just been announced, will be, um, you know, sort of deal with that. But um, the problem lies wherein, I guess people were tweeting at her about that, like, hey, what about the trans community and stuff like that, and sort of taking her to task for it. And instead of writing some sort of response to it, her solution was to take those tweets from those people and without asking, reprint them in the next issue of Maneaters on Billions. Oh yeah, I remember reading about that, yeah. Which yeah. is, holy shit, what a dick move, man. Like, you could just say something. You don't have to take these things which are legitimate questions um, and concerns and then just make fun of it by making them, you know, background panels in your comic book. I don't know, it just felt really kind of gross to me. Um, this, Maneaters the Cursed, has little to nothing to do with the original series from what I can tell other than the main character. And it's all about going to, you know, sleepover camp and sort of the weird things that are going on there. And it's a little supernatural and a little spooky. And I actually quite enjoyed this. I thought this was really kind of fun and interesting. And just like in the original series of Maneaters, they use real life or, you know, fake real life things. Um, mm. Like in the back, the, the very last page of the, issue is a fake ad for a, a product that exists within within the man-eaters world but it looks like a real ad they photoshopped it to look real but it's not oh okay. so they do they, they play oh, yeah. with the yeah. the format that way a little bit which i respect um 
but I just kind of had a little, I was like, oh man, I wish he kind of handled that a little bit better, but also this issue was kind of good, but you know, that's, that's where I'm at. Um, uh, Robin Monroe says, I'm looking forward to the return of Maneaters, but oh, Robin Monroe continues, but trans women don't get their periods, so they wouldn't be affected. Um, so yeah. What did you guys think? Uh, um, Len? Uh, I didn't read the book. This was oh, the book okay. that I did not read. Oh, wait. Oh, from before. Yes. Right. Right. I had almost forgotten. And then bang. And, and, it's, and, it, and it has nothing to do with what the book is about that I, why I didn't, yeah. I just didn't get a chance to read. It. So I don't want anybody to extrapolate anything from that. Brian, continue. I'm going to go change this diaper. I thought it was cute. Um, it, uh, I hadn't read the earlier one midway through reading it. I was like, oh, right. There was a, there was that thing where the women get uh, turned into, I thought it was wolves, but it's panthers, you know? Um, and yeah, it, it was cute, sometimes cutesy, you know, more than more than that. There were some of those I thought worked really well, and it was like, oh, that was enjoyable. Other times I'm like, eh, all right. Um, they do uh, interstitials also sometimes, which, you know, like I feel compelled to read, and then sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm done with, right. I'm done with this like, massive block of information that is not really relevant to the story. Um, so there's there's some interesting teases of what this story is going to be. This uh, well, all the campers go missing except for these two people. There is also a boy here, so maybe she will address some sort of trans issues. I don't know. I mean, I like what Robert Monroe Jr. said. I mean, they trans women don't get their period, so they wouldn't be affected. Makes sense, you know, in the laws of this world that are created, which I don't know because I haven't read the previous one, but um, that makes perfect sense. It can be a little difficult to judge somebody for what they haven't touched on in their story. Yeah. You know? Like, right. I, I feel some type of way about that a little bit. I mean, because it, it, it is their story, you know? Um, right. As long as they're not being ill about it and i'm like all right we'll tell you story you know either accept it or not and keep it moving. right like my understanding is it just didn't come up at all and i didn't like again i didn't read it so i don't know but that's like having seen news articles or whatever here joy d talk about it it just didn't come up and yeah who knows what what she was trying to go for with her original tale or or what have you um let me let me yes. let me just make myself clear my hmm. problem is that not that she did not touch on the trans experience that is not my problem oh yeah i didn't think that because, was your problem with it jj i thought that oh, it was okay. other people's problems with it yeah yeah my my yeah, stance yeah. on that is maybe she doesn't feel qualified to also touch on that like maybe mm -hmm. she doesn't know enough about that experience to think that she could write about it in a realistic um kind of way in her storyline and so she just sort of skips it right um mm -hmm. my problem was with her response to people, it seemed like a dick move, um, what she wound up doing with just like, without permission, mm. reprinting these tweets um, in her in her book. Um, Is that something no, you I, need? Write what you know, right? For. Like if, you, I don't think every every type of character needs to be included in every type of story. Right, right. But it was really just kind of like, it was. It felt more like a kind of thing, you know? Mm. Yeah, but, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, to Brian's point, like he said, is that something that you necessarily need permission to do? Well, whether or not you're with ultimately doing it, do you need the permission to do that? 
Right. Um, like you said this out in the world. You said it in a public way, and it's it's fair game now that you said it. You know that it's it can be reprinted. And I mean, this is a whole new era of communication in humankind where these people are not with, public with personas. Their, I, I'm not sure if I put a tweet out there that I would want someone to publish my tweet in a publication with my Twitter. You published it. <laughs> you, you published, published it. it already. They're referencing a previously published thing. You know what I mean? You so didn't say it did, to a couple of friends. Mean, what you can and cannot do is one thing. What is a dick move is different. Well, no, I meant can in a moral sense, not legal. Just like you said this for the world to see, and well, now the world is seeing it. But also, like I, like I was saying, we are in a whole new era of human communication, and that is something we've never really had to address or think about before. Like, what if you said something at the bus stop and then it was reprinted in a newspaper article is not something that was going to happen, you know? But now we're at a place where people who are not public personas have a public platform that is indelible, right? It's, it's written out there, whereas, you know, so it's not like the conversations of old. So this is maybe something that you know, we've got to think about it in a much larger context than, than this. I don't uh, know. I yeah. still don't see it necessarily as a dick move. You might, and, and that's fair if people, you know, feel differently. I don't see it as a dick move because I can also think if, um, you know, you said something glowing about somebody in the tweet and then you put that glowing tweet in their comic book. Is that a dick move? No, you just you you're, you you got it and you you incorporated in some way into into your um, your your art or your publication that you put out there. Right. And it, so if I, I and I say this without knowing how the tweets necessarily were used in the comic. Right. That matters, too. That yeah. does matter as well. Um, but to just ha have them there is I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, me, myself, if I were going to do it, I will put them as part of the letters page as a response to the comic. I wouldn't necessarily make them as part of the art. So maybe that I could see. Yes. I, I still don't. I still don't see that as a dick move because I still think that if somebody in my comic book was walking through a gallery and, and on the gallery pieces were were actual framed positive um, mm -hmm. tweets is akin to the same thing. So I don't necessarily want to say that I see it as a dick move, but I can see I can see there where the idea of permission comes in as opposed to the tweets being just a part of the commentary of the art in general at the end as part of the letters page or something uh, something like that. But um on, on the surface, I just don't see it necessarily as a dick move. I didn't read this comic book. I looked at the art. It reminded me of Terry Moore, the creator mm -hmm. of uh, Strange, Strangers in Paradise, which is one of my favorite comic books of all time. Um, except that he, this artist seems to have more than three faces that they can draw. So, <laughs> so maybe like maybe maybe I might actually read this comic book. So um, it got him. Kind of, Interesting, you know, um, but yeah, that that was it. Um, great cover. Oh, yeah, yeah great cover. Very great cover. The cover, which is works better, but similar would this would look better for Ninjak, right? 
then also yeah. is not right. similar to the art inside, but nobody says anything because it's the more abstract, and then you get exactly. the lower one down. Not lower, but... Yeah, I do like the know. art style in this very much. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so here's good. what I was talking about. Um, you know, uh, all of these parents are sending their kids away to camp specifically so they can go on vacation without their children. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so they have a listing here on a sort of Airbnb type website and they've formatted the entire thing to look authentic, um, which mm -hmm. is kind of like fun stuff that they do with the art style in this. Um, that joke this was well done camp. too. Yeah. Where they're like, um, oh, we're sending you because we really want to have you, you know, blossom in this way and you love it. Yeah. And then the next panel is like, I'll send her somewhere. I don't know. We'll go. Yeah. Well, we'll send her somewhere. Yeah, we got to go. We're going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also these these awful buttons that they have to wear. Panic attacks, bedwetter, picky eater, Gemini. <laughs> um, right. Hyperactive, contagious rash, socially awkward, clumsy, easily startled. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a fun little comic, um, and even just the way that the camp counselor talks to the children is pretty funny. It's it's just a fun book. Um, yeah, very. I'm curious to see if this has anything to do with man eaters, or if this is just like in the man eaters world. Here's what happens when you go to day camp or you know sleepover camp. Right. So yeah. Hmm. Anyway. Uh -huh. Um. Yeah, the the comic book itself was fun. The 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 stuff I brought into it, the baggage is my own. So there you go. And sometimes that that's you know that does inform your enjoyment of something. Yeah, yeah. You got to be recognize that. So. Well, right. I think that's the comic book this week, guys. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we did it. Yay! Yes. That's um, fun. And uh, Len, I want to say on the record also, I uh, totally was into your use of the word Michigas. You know, before <laughs> I loved it. You're welcome. I never yes. know how it's pronounced, so thank you. I've always seen it. Michigas. I'm like, yeah. Michigas. Craziness is the translation. All this crap, all this Michigas. Hello. A Mushugana is also another Are form of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if the person is acting crazy. Ah, this Mushugana thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and thank right, you guys. Each and every one of you for hanging out with us here on the Coke Pop Go comic book review show that we call Spoiler Alert. Uh, shout out to Kai, who's a very, very good little boy. Yeah. yeah. We got through all the main show. ones JD wanted to talk about and then all the other ones. Yeah. Um, shout out to Noel and Brandon. Brandon's always in the background and Noel, who couldn't be here today, but because he's he's chilling with his family and much love and good tidings to our other friend in the background rob who is um at home dealing with some family things of his, of his own and we hope everything is going well with him as well all right so ladies and Hi, gentlemen guys. for brian for johnny this is len da -da! Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. 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 Yeah.